This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty! The only thing we have to fear is fear itself! Sooner or later, though. You always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, where we uncover the truth, one guest at a time. For those who dare to seek, Veritas is the place where they shall find. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest is not the one announced last week. For that reason, I may just tell you to visit our website for updates on who the upcoming guests will be. Why? Because they may change. You may remember how Cliff High was going to be with us last week, but because of an incident beyond his control, and those of you who follow the story know what I mean, he could not be on the show. Then tonight, we were supposed to have Antonio Cuneus, but a few things happened. Let me tell you. Tonight's special guest is renowned researcher, journalist, and author Daniel Estelin. He's the one who brought the Bilderberg Group to the public limelight. Daniel will be with us shortly. The reason for the switch was that Daniel could only give us a certain amount of time due to the number of interviews he does on a daily basis. Then I heard from James Fox last night that he was driving back home to California from New Orleans. So I scheduled an update with him. That way, we could complete the usual time between James Fox and Daniel Estlin. So in case you were wondering, that is why things got changed. You will find tonight's show very, very informative. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our inventory of shows. That's 86 episodes to date. A few bonus interviews, the very Veritas private chat room, and the Manticore forum. Just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. And the metal-cased 8GB USB drive containing all of Season 1 and a few bonuses for you is now for sale. And it has become, in just a few weeks, the most popular Veritas item. 
You want to know what it contains? Okay, I will tell you. How about all shows for season one? That's 56 episodes, all in CD audio quality. Sergeant Clifford Stone's government UFO files, including some he just forwarded to me last week. The transcript for our premiere episode with Milton Torres, which includes how Veritas was born. FBI and CIA, the classified files on Tesla, Einstein and Von Braun, and lots of survival ebooks. And with the space that was left, I included all the music of season one. So if you remember the music that was played last year, you got it. So don't wait. We are here, loaded with great material and ready to be shipped out to you. For more information or to order, visit the Veritas store on our website. And before we go to James Fox, let me share some information with you. According to CNN, 1.8 million gallons of Corexit have been sprayed in the Gulf of Mexico area. I also received a report that shows that some of the majority shareholders of Nalco, the company that manufactures the dispersant Corexit, are Warren Buffett, Maurice Strong, Al Gore, and George Soros. Are you connecting the dots? Then this afternoon, James Fox sent me a copy of a 12-page report showing the lab results of the samples he submitted last week. I have included that report at our forum. But let me summarize it for you. This is very important. Overall, the water sample contained a surprisingly high concentration of propylene glycol, between 349 and 417 parts per million, indicating the presence of an even higher level of Corexit of which propylene glycol is only a part. These results are consistent with the evaporation of volatile components from oil to leave tar balls and an especially high concentration of the dispersant on the surface of the water. Toxicity tests have shown that a concentration of 25 parts per million of Corexit 9500 in oil-free water can kill most fish and only 2.6 parts per million of Corexit has the same effect in the presence of dispersed oil, which is the case with the analyzed sample. Now listen to this. The considerably higher Corexit surface water concentrations implied by the propylene glycol concentrations in the analysis suggest that humans may receive a harmful exposure to these chemicals and dispersed oil by swimming in the water or inhaling the sea spray. Overall, this water analysis suggests high Corexit concentrations in surface water near New Orleans and suggests a public health hazard that should be taken seriously along the entire Gulf Coast. Now, folks, this is not hearsay. This is not rumor or conspiracy theory. This is the result of tangible evidence in the way of samples provided to this laboratory for analysis. And what you heard is proof of how dire this environmental disaster is to humans and the entire ecosystem of the Gulf region. Do you think the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, will share this with you? Think again. And folks, remember that the only way James Fox and I can provide these updates is if you support our efforts. For James, go to his website, buy a DVD, and for us, subscribe and become a member. We are not the mainstream media and don't have sponsors or donors. We're not even alternative media. We are your media, the people's media. And people like you can keep this movement going. So I hope that if you're listening to this latest report and are not a Veritas member, I hope you become one. We're counting on you. And now, let's go to James Fox. Hello, James. How are you? Good, you guys. Sorry. Sorry about that, Mel. I'm just, I'm just positioning myself. No problem. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, we've been following all your work, and and I have to tell you, on behalf of of everyone who has watched your videos and has listened to you over the past few weeks, I want to thank you. You've done a, a great job, and you you've put yourself in danger many times. So I want you to know that uh, there's not enough thanks uh, going your way. Hey, I I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I, it's. Uh it's been extremely challenging. Um, really hard. It was like my, you know, I went down with my, with my sister for 
couple of weeks. I've been down there twice for two, both two weeks stints. Last time we uh-huh. drove because we had we stopped off at a lot of different states along the way, um, Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi and Alabama and Florida. Um, and my sister's throat was burning the whole time, and she was coughing, and uh, there's huh. definitely something uh, in the air down there. Uh, I mean, I could smell it. I wasn't uh, as as um, prone to or like, uh, affected by it as she was. But um, all sorts of really interesting developments. I don't know. Did you guys see the – excuse me, by the way. I'm sorry. I've only slept literally about two hours. We drove all through the night, got back, and then uh, then the, the lab results came in 12 pages long today, which I've been waiting for for about five days. And everybody wanted them, so I had to, I had to set up a link so uh, people could get access to them. I don't know if you uh, put that on your website or not, but that's something that your listeners should definitely have access to. It's Not yet. I will. I will. But I wanted to push you to go to sleep uh, this morning so you could uh, be rested. But <laughs> last time we spoke, uh, James, uh, we you were in Alabama and yeah. Corexit was being sprayed very close to people's homes. A lot has happened since our last conversation. Can you give us a summary, a recap? And I know you got just home from to California this morning, driving all the way from New Orleans. Take it from the last time we spoke. We, um, we've been getting rumors. Well, first of all, we decided to do a bunch of our own testing, as you know, um, water testing. We took samples from Grand Isle. On the shores of Grand Isle, we also hooked up with a BP worker who will remain nameless, but he provided us with samples taken from about 20 miles out, and we sent those samples to a couple of different labs. The first lab came back with uh, very disturbing results of um, very, very high levels I guess it's, uh, I can read it directly from the report, but basically there are a lot of elements within Corexit, and one of the uh, things they were looking for was propylene glycol, and mm-hmm. that's, um, that's a known agent in Corexit. And I guess the, the safe level are, are 25 parts per million of Corexit 9500 um, is known to kill most fish. And the results came back at between 349 and 417 parts per million, huh. which would indicate a presence, uh, a much higher level of Corexit. So it's, and remember that propylene glycol is just, it's just one part of, of the elements in Corexit. And he also found something very disturbing, which we, we talked about this morning. There's uh, other volatile contaminants in, that he has not been able yet to identify, um, but these compounds apparently are amazingly, the way he described it to me, it was very effective in stripping greases and sealants off the equipment. Mm-hmm. And he said it would just dissolve everything it came in contact with. Um, so he wants to see what, he's going to do some further analysis on that, what that would do, for instance, to you know, the fish or even our skin. Because there are complaints when I talk to, and pretty much every beach people would go in the water and they'd talk about it would burn. Right. And obviously the concentrations are different in different locations, you know, obviously, but we took random samples, and this came back. So it's very, very disturbing what they're putting in the water. And his estimation, it was, it was just speculation, but the, the, the lab guy I spoke to, uh, he felt that this substance would take at least 50 years to break down. 50 years to biodegrade. That's what he said, yes. And, you know, he said, I, don't, I, I can't say for sure, but that's, Judging on, on stuff that he's dealt with, that's the estimation that he gave me this morning. And it just, he said it, just, it dissolved everything that it came in contact with. And that's an unknown, that's an unknown vol, uh, volatile contaminant, as well as, you know, it was very, very disturbing, you know, and they've been pumping these uh, unprecedented amounts of, I don't know, I think there are over 2 million gallons, possibly more, of this stuff into the Gulf. Yes. And especially down at 5,000 feet. I mean, it's just really disturbing. So... Based on those results, we went back, uh, we hooked up with some locals, and we, got, we took boats out into a number of different bays, inlet, marshes, and we took more samples from random areas, areas in which rumored reports of residents saying that they're hearing planes fly over at night, right around 9 p.m., and spraying. Mm-hmm. So we took samples there, and we sent those off probably about three days ago. So we're waiting on the results. We have all the different locations. We have the dates. Uh, Perdido Bay was one of them. Um, a number of different locations. And so we'll get those results back probably, I don't know, um, i say less than a week. We'll be sharing those. But one of the things I really want to do, um, we went to, uh, because I'm trying to find solutions that people are just, there's a dearth of information on what people can do about exposure to uh, 
this really bad air quality, which we'd like to go and do. For, I'd like to do one more trip there for two weeks, and I'd like to test the air quality in all four states along the Gulf Shores, um, possibly possibly in Texas as well. Um, and if anyone out there is willing to, uh, would like to help sponsor that, I could certainly we could certainly use the help. But we went and did an interview in Dallas, Texas, with Dr. Ray. He's the CEO of Environmental Center in Dallas. I'll be posting the video probably uh, within 24 hours, and he's giving uh, you know residents and BP workers advice on what to do, what to do, and what not to do. For instance, if they get exposed, first of all, you know how not to get exposed, and then what to do to detox once you get exposed all the symptoms, and talks about what possibly are, what's in the air, what people are breathing, what you can do in your homes to prevent you know, exposure. Very, very useful information I think people are going to be find really, really helpful. So it's not just identifying the problem, but how people can, how people can, uh, what people can do. Because we can't depend on Great. our government, we can't depend on the EPA, and we certainly can't depend on BP. No, especially the EPA. They're not telling us anything. Oh, they're not telling us. It's ridiculous. I mean, I mean... Yeah, and I actually I sent over this detailed 12-page report to my contacts at CNN today, and they were very receptive on covering the story. And the problem is that the, the lab technician uh, is very fearful of his uh, lab uh, BP coming after them. So of he's going to do a uh, sort of an off-the-record interview with CNN, and he's going to provide them with all the data. And he'll also we also have additional samples uh, that he still has that he'll send to other. Um, you know, labs that will be willing to go public with this stuff. So we're doing everything we can to, you know, obviously identify the problem, let people know what they're being exposed to, what they can do um, uh, to detox from the stuff and prevent exposure from this. And one of the things that he was absolutely amazed of, and I'm absolutely amazed of, and I met with a bunch of BP workers off the record, and they're terrified to talk on camera, by the way. Of course, of course. Is they're not wearing masks. They're out there handling this stuff. Oh, and here's another thing. My God, I didn't tell you. I don't know if I told you this. Oh, I just wish I had more time in the day. But they're taking this this toxic sludge. Okay, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos I've been posting, but there's sure. toxic sludge on all the beaches. They call them tar balls. Some of them are like more gooey. Some of them are a little harder with sand, but they're they're really nasty and they stink. And it's like peanut butter almost. Peanut butter exactly. But then they heat up in the hot sun and they kind of melt. They almost mm-hmm. look like melted hot chocolate. And, they, yeah. and, the, and the odor in the sand reeks. By the way, what they're doing is they're, they're sort of scraping the top surface, and then they're putting fresh sand on it. So the sand is actually soaked a couple inches below the surface with oil. Oh. The vapors come up, and you can't, can't really see it. People are just getting exposed. Some people smell it. Other people don't smell it. But, you know, um, people are not aware of this stuff. And so they're just lying, they're lying on the beach thinking that they're out of harm's way, and they're breathing in these vapors. And it's, it's really, really apparent. Really, and I actually did an interview with a BP worker. I have to disguise his face, but I'll be posting that up. And he talks about the methods they, they use to clean up the beaches and how they scoop off the top layer and then the rest of the stuff that was all gooey, they'd put fresh sand over the top of it. So that stuff's down there, just a few inches, and it heats up in the sun and those vapors come right out and people are breathing that stuff in without even knowing it. So it's just window dressing, basically. Just window dressing. So, so another thing is, is that the BP workers that I've been talking to said that there's a protocol if you come in contact with any of this stuff, and you have to strip your clothes right there on the beach. And I said, right there on the beach? He said, yeah, it happened to one of the guys when he was working. It, it, in other words, it's highly toxic and, and hazardous material that they're dealing with, obviously. And they recognize that. Obviously, they should be wearing masks. But they have to strip their clothes down immediately. They have to put it in a biohazard, like some sort of suit. Put the suit on, and it soaks up the toxins out of their skin. And they do it immediately right there on the beach. So anyway, this is stuff that's like highly... highly toxic, hazardous waste. It gets put in these places, scoop it up, and they put it in these plastic bags, eight pounds per bag. And they put a double-layer bag, these industrial-strength plastic bags, and there's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of these bags in every state we went to. And I could not get a straight answer out of anyone as to where they were being disposed of. So we finally, my sister and I finally parked our car with one of these uh, dumps, dumpsters that was full to the rim with this nasty stuff. And we waited till the guy, the truck came. And literally the sun was just starting to set. And my sister looked at me and she's like, God, is this guy ever going to show up? We were like contemplating giving another 15 minutes then we're going to kind of give up. And he showed up. So we followed him. And we followed him for miles. And we found the site. Okay, a site, uh, which I give the coordinates to one of my video. I get out of the car. I go to film, you know, the, the, the site. I don't actually enter the premise, but I go to film. And a police officer accosts me. Did you see that video? 
Of course, or absolutely. Just the camera off and like you know, try to leave the camera rolling, try to get a straight answer out of him. So what they're doing is that's a, that. As it turns out, I went in with a couple of locals and we we went in behind. Um, we went, we accessed the back of the place through the woods, which was uh, took over an hour and a half just to get into the place. And I've got seriously probably seventy five mosquito bites all over my body right now. <laughs> I'm like totally miserable, <laughs> but I got, but I documented what's going on behind. I was really worried about getting caught back there because I was thinking, you know, here we are, a couple of local guys. I got this, I got this, you know, this camera. It's obviously a broadcast camera. I'm documenting some stuff that you know is illegal, and these good old boys in the south. I mean, I just was really worried for myself, quite honestly. I mean, it was kind of a risky thing we did, but we documented what was going on behind there, and it was a staging area. And then we followed it to the next site, which is called Magnolia. Uh, springs dump site. What they did is they took the toxic hazardous label off of the uh, sludge that they're scooping off the beaches. So it's extremely toxic when you're dealing with those beaches. Somehow between the beach and the and the landfill site, it's no longer toxic, and they're dumping into these sites. And I talked to residents around the area that are complaining of this smell in the air. They can't get any answers. They can't get you know they're asking questions and aren't getting any answers. So this stuff's going on. So I've tracked down the a guy uh, Ken Holden, who's um, but hold on, hold on. Let, let me understand that this is, by the way, this is all uh, taken care of by waste management, the company waste yes. management, correct? Yes. And w- so they're saying that once it arrives, it's toxic, and they transfer it somewhere else where it's not toxic. Explain. Yeah, they're telling the BP workers, and I got this documented. I'll, I'll believe me, I'll be posting the videos that if you if you even come in contact with the stuff you scoop it off the beaches, I mean, first it burns your skin. Yeah. Um, that it's you know you have to strip your clothes down and put this special suit on that absorbs the toxins out of your skin. That's what they're doing. But then mm-hmm. somehow when it goes from the beaches to the landfill site, it's no longer toxic. And since when is a waste management site guarded by the police? I mean, he was on me so fast I couldn't even believe it. Not only that, but 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 when when is a regular waste management company in charge of of bringing uh, chemical waste? Yeah, and now these poor people in these communities that live near these sites have no idea what's going on. They're they're complaining of well, first of all, I got wind of it actually almost three weeks ago. I heard about this, the local people complaining about this odor in the air, but it's not always present depending on the winds. And you know, children are affected more than than the adults. Um, just respiratory problems, nausea diarrhea, like bleeding from the nose. Um, I'm hearing reports of these all over the place. Um, and there, there were rumors circulating that it was Magnolia Springs dump site. There were a lot of this stuff was going to in the Gulf Shores area. And we've definitely confirmed that now. So that's where it's going. So I want to warn the residents about that and make, it aware, make them aware of what's been going on, you know, how they, can, how they can purify the air in their home, what they can do to detox once they've been exposed to it. I mean, these are the things that we're working on. How about the water? The water people drink in the area has that been affected? Well, that's another yeah, another, another major concern. Um, I talked to toxicologist Ricky uh, Ott. Ott. Yes, she worked on. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to be posting a video um, about her as well. She's going to inform the public a little bit more about the, the dangers of, of rain and especially if there's a hurricane. She said that if there is a hurricane, if you have the means to get out, by all means get out because it's going to be raining that toxic stuff uh, within a several hundred mile radius. And it might already be doing that to some extent. I've been hearing reports of, matter of fact, somebody this morning sent me photographs of their, some plants, some leaves in their plants in their backyard had burn holes through them from the rain. Oh. And uh, people saying that there's like, you know what it's like at a gas station when it rains a little bit, you can see that film over the cement, you know, kind of reflective film. Like a kind rainbow. Of rainbow color. Well, yeah. People are getting that in their backyards uh, way inland. So I can't prove it right now, but it's, it, all the indications are telling us that that's happening. I've seen a few videos of people uh, who have uh, filmed that, exactly. And I've spoke to Dr. Brooks Acne last week, and he says that all these chemicals burn your mucous membranes, your nose, your throat, your intestines, and that's more or less what your sister was experiencing. Oh, she's, yeah, no, her, her throat was, was burnt. It was very sore the whole, she's not going back. She will never go back. Sure. Um, and um, there are certain things that you can that one can do once exposed to sort of detox this stuff. And Dr. Ray, the CEO of Environmental Center in Dallas, we, we drove. That's one of the reasons why we drove, so we could stop off there and do the interview with him. And that's going to be very, very helpful video. And I've been working on it around the clock to get this thing done and posted. I'll have a telephone number. I'll have an email, uh, contact information for the for the center, and uh, it'll be very, very helpful. I'm really concerned about the BP workers out there that are not being told what they're being exposed to and what they can do. You know, and he's saying that this guy was saying he's one of the specialists in the world. This is the only 
by the way, he's the only uh, person in the only center in America that knows actually how to deal with this stuff. So, like, the people that are coming into the local clinics on the Gulf Shores and areas, apparently they don't know how to, they, they don't know what to do for these poor BP workers and residents and, and stuff. Did you say that the BP workers are not wearing masks? They're not wearing masks. Nope. You probably heard what happened to the, uh, the cleaning crew during the Exxon Valdez. You've heard... Most of them are dead. The life expectancy became 51 years, and... Basically, two days worth of the BP oil spill now is what happened uh, during the Exxon Valdez in 1989. So all these workers that are not only at the beach, on the beach, were, uh, cleaning, how about the ones that are closer to the epicenter are not wearing masks? What's going to happen with them? Well, um, yeah, I mean, Dr. Ray discusses that and Dr. Ricky Ott discusses it on videos on the post, but it's, it's, it's not good. Yeah, at all. Well, they say that it gets into the respiratory system and just... Basically, internal bleeding, I've heard that too, that uh, it's almost like a slow death. You don't know it until you stop breathing one day. I wish you guys could have heard this, this conversation I had with this lab technician. He said, this stuff is in the water right now, this, this volatile. He doesn't know exactly what it is yet because he's got to look a little further, but it's unknown. But he said he's never seen anything dissolve greases and sealants from the equipment that he's working with. It just dissolves everything it comes in contact with. He said that stuff getting in the air will literally dissolve your skin and your, your lungs. And I mean, he was really concerned about it. This almost sounds like if you're getting Ebola. I mean, you disintegrate from the inside. But all these people who are talking, they don't, of course, they don't want to come forward for, for multiple reasons. Did you feel threatened when you were there? I felt watched for sure. Here's a creepy thing. One of the creepy things that happened. I, I, I was a couple times, like for instance, when I went in, into the backwoods and snuck into that uh, waste management site that I'd been mm-hmm. told to leave the day before by by the local police. And they do things differently in the South. You know the way they deal with things. They kind of take the law into their own hands. Right. So I was really worried. Quite honestly, I, I went even as far as I sent out a message to a few people as to where I was going and what I was doing. I didn't care that I was making it public. I was just feeling a little bit. Just so if anything did happen to me. Um, right. Do you know what I mean? But can you imagine, like, getting caught with a camera in the bush and, like, no witnesses around? No. Yeah, right? And Especially when the police is involved now. Well, well, yeah, exactly. He took my name. He took. He wanted to see my identification. He took everything down, Made questioned me. I felt like I was being interrogated. I didn't even go on the premises. I just I walked up to the gate with the camera rolling. I, I've never seen anything like it, that a, that a waste management site was, was guarded by the police, and you can't film, photograph, make any, take any questions. But anyway, so I got notified. This is another thing that's slightly creepy. I got notified by one of the people at Waste Management. He said, I've seen some of your videos, and uh, you, you know, you, 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 so basically they know about me. They know about me. And I, I, you know, and then I did that one video, which is a, a bit of a parody on Rebecca Wilson. I don't know if you saw that or not, but she's yes. actually a real estate agent down at Gulf Shores. They got uh-huh. all those high-rise condos. And obviously, tourism has been majorly affected by this all. So they're doing everything they can to keep bringing in, you know, milk the tourism to the last drop, keep people coming in. So they give these daily reports. She puts this big smile on her face and says, come on down, you know, and talks about Waffle House and all the condo pools and the beaches are great and they're open and we're open and come down. And the locals were so upset by what was happening because it was like sugarcoating the, the reality of the situation. Um, so we did, uh, we did a spoof, and I know that spoof. We made it into New York Times and Wall, uh, Wall Street Journal, wrote up a little something in their blog about it. And I know that spoof pissed off a lot of those people. So, yeah, um, you know, I but know. Look at, I, look, at, look at Governor Charlie Crist from Florida telling everybody that it's safe to swim. It's I ridiculous. Can you, can you believe and then the, And then there's not even any testing made, made public to people. And then, yeah, this, like, like, the, the lab technician that I that I talked to, I don't know if you you heard the, at the end. He says, you know, it reminds me of Ground Zero, when the EPA was saying it's all safe. There is no asbestos in the air when there was, and the work here they were these these heroes at Ground Zero, cleaning this whole mess up, and the EPA told them it was safe. And the first responders sick now, like yes. ten years later, like really sick. It's unconscionable what's happening. It makes me so angry. And that's one of the things that keeps me going back there. So I'm doing this for the people. And I said to the guy at Waste Management, I said, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to step on any big toes here, but I'm, I'm out here for the people. I care about 
what these people are being exposed to, what BP workers are being exposed to and not being told, that bothers me. And, and James, I didn't want to bring this up, but you've seen the correlations between this and 9-11. You, you, the first responders were told the air quality is fine, and a lot of them are now, some of them are dead, some of them are almost dead. Some of the similarities are uncanny here. You, you can imagine, I've, I've thought about this very carefully, you can imagine what the BP is probably, there's probably these backdoor meetings, and they're saying, well, if we have, you know, people uh, with gas masks on doing the cleanup, and then people in bikinis on the beaches around them, that's not going to look very good, right? No. But they're basically putting these people's lives at risk, not telling them about what they're being exposed to. And... Um, it's unconscionable, and it makes it really makes me it really makes me upset. And I really want to stress this again. If any of you listeners out there wants to help, uh, the next the last thing I really want to do, so I'm going to go. Te- I'm going to do is I'm going to go test the air along the Gulf Shores uh, in Texas. I'm going to go to Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. We want to test the air, and while we're doing it, we're going to test the waters as well. We have got several labs that we're going to send this out to. If anyone out there can help support that initiative, we could really use the help. I want to go in about a week. Tell us where exactly to donate, because I, I want everybody to help. I'll be the first one. I'll put my own donation the moment we hang up. Tell us where to do this. Well, you can contact me at James C, as in Charles, James C. Fox at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, you can go to my website and buy a couple of the DVDs. You'll get a great DVD if I know what I saw. And that 100% of the proceeds from that will go to support this initiative. And that's I know what I saw, the movie.com. I know what I saw, the movie.com. It's got kind of an expensive shipping and handling because I've been personally doing it all myself. But if you buy more than one, it doesn't go up. So, um, and, and I'll get those out to you just as soon as. Uh, Let me ask you, James. Some people have asked me that they want to pledge more than the DVD and the shipping. Do you have a a donate button, a PayPal donate button, where people can pledge whatever they wish? What they can do is they can buy as many DVDs as they want, and if they don't want all the DVDs, they just send me a message saying, hey, I bought 100 DVDs, that much will go into your account directly, and then just send me three DVDs or whatever it is that they want. Okay. Because I don't have a donate page there right now. I just got back in this morning, so I will definitely, I, I can definitely... Um, and they can send me a message right there from the website. I know what I saw, themovie.com, or jamesccfox at gmail.com. One thing that I haven't heard a lot of people mention is methane. Have you heard anything about methane gas going around? Yes, uh, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the gases. Okay, let me think here. It was benzene and methane are, are, are the two of the gases that Dr. Ray, uh, he said, look, I haven't done any... I haven't been down there testing personally, but it's very likely that those two gases are in the air, and they're highly volatile. They're, they're known carcinogens. Uh, the, and and the, the methane, I guess, is more of a concern of, a, of an explosion. Oh, let me tell you one thing that I heard, because this, this came directly from a BP worker in Grand Isle. He said to me, we shall, we'll shall see about this. Obviously, I'm not, uh, please, listeners out there, know that I'm not stating this as fact, but this is what he told me. He knows two guys that were actually on the Deepwater Horizon. They told him that the, the and I'm sure you've heard this, and I'm sure your, your listeners have heard this, but there is a methane uh, gas bubble, and that the, the seabed floor is fractured. And yes. And they're very concerned about that exploding. And if it did explode, but they weren't stating this as fact. I mean, it was, this was speculation. It was from people on the on the Deepwater Horizon. They shared this with me that that um, that there was a risk a of an explosion and b of of the oil. They couldn't cap it because if they did. Uh, the example he gave me was this: the way they can tell if there's seepage leakage going on, in other words, there's fractures in the in the in the surface of the, uh, the ocean floor, is that let's say. I'm just going to give a random number out here. Let's say that this is what they explained it to me. Let's say there's 9,000 psi coming out of that pipe. So you know if you put a cap on it, it's going to measure at 9,000 psi. Right. They put a cap on it. They slowly put the cap on it, and the psi doesn't only goes up to 2,000 psi. Then they know it's leaking out everywhere else. Exactly. In case they risk it, it, it exploding, and and then God knows how much oil is going to go into the Gulf. So what they're doing right now to me sounds extremely risky, from what I've heard, to put the cap on there. I hope they're being very very careful. I hope that what they're doing in 48 hours will find out if it has been successful. However, I spoke to Dr. Brooks Agnew last week, and yes, if there's a methane bubble and it goes off, the tsunami would be 
couple hundred feet go in 20 miles inland in every way. Um, I met with uh, people in, the, uh, in Alabama, well, everywhere, but particularly uh, in Alabama. I went out with, with one guy who's lived there three generations, and he had a motorhome that he just bought a couple weeks earlier. And I said, wow, my motorhome. He said, we, we, we might plan on it. He's, he's really good friends with a lot of um, high-powered people in the area. He didn't want mm-hmm. to be on camera, but he told me behind the scenes that he had heard about this possible scenario, and, he, and a lot of people are considering just leaving right now. Um, there are a lot of people actually talking about leaving. And it's really depressing being down there. Honestly, it's really, dep- it's really depressing. Like, first, uh, I've been, since I've been home, I've only been home this morning, but like, I've never seen my skin look so weird. Like, it just looks un- very unhealthy, and I've got spots all over it. I feel huh. like crap. I really do. I don't feel good at all. My citrus throat is burning. Um, it's it's nasty down there, Mel. I'm I'm. Well, that goes through your skin. I don't. I know. I've never seen my skin. I usually have kind of nice skin. I'm not trying to boast or anything, but my skin <laughs> looks. It does. It looks like. It just looks like. It just it just doesn't look healthy at all. I have a gray kind of complexion everywhere. I've got spots all over me that I've never seen before. It's really. It's really. Um. It's really depressing, Mel. I don't know how else to say it. And even if they cap that thing today, there are these massive, God knows, these underwater plumes that are apparently in the loop now. So they're going to go traveling all around the, the Gulf and all uh, Cuba and around the, the Keys and all this oil, these underwater plumes. That's another thing. I talked to fishermen. They said they pulled their anchors, and the anchors are coated with oil. So there's these huge layers, pockets of oil sitting on the seabed floor. And then... Another thing that was explained to me is that, you know, yeah, the oil breaks, you know, this dispersion has caused the oil to break down. I was thinking the best-case scenario, which I, I am, that from day one I've learned that dispersion is the worst thing that could possibly be doing out there. But let's say it breaks the oil down a little bit, and there are these hydrocarbon-eating microbes that, that do consume this stuff. But here you've got these oil down at several thousand feet down below the surface, and then, and then these hydrocarbons try to eat it, and then it, they consume oxygen, so you create these dead zones down in the underwater. So they're like, no, it's like devoid of life <clears throat> altogether. So even if they capped it today, you know, that gulf's not going to be back in our lifetime. And people think, uh, James, that oxygen on Earth comes from the Amazon or from forests. And yes, a fraction, but most of it comes from the ocean, algae. So if this oil is covering a lot of, of the gulf, this is going to have, as you say, it's going to be a dead zone, almost like a dead sea. I know. It's really depressing, Mel. It's really, really depressing. It's like, you know, um, you, know you, you know, you hear these predictions for 2012, and then 2012 is coming, and you see this happening, and it really makes you wonder, you know. And it's a man-made disaster. It was totally avoidable. Absolutely. Whoever tells me that this was an accident, there's so much evidence coming right now indicating that they knew about this. Just the financial trans. Oh, they, there's no, no question, no question. Yeah, here's another interesting thing. God, I wish this lab guy would come on. He's so articulate and so intelligent. He's thought about very carefully every aspect, every angle of the spill. And he's talking about it, and he's like, it's, and he said to me this morning, he was like, it's almost like it's designed, and he, and he said why. And, he was like, and, then he, and then he talks about the corrects that they're pumping in the oceans. It's like, this stuff's killing the oceans. And they're putting unprecedented amounts of this stuff in there. He's like, it's almost like there's a, an agenda behind this. Maybe they're trying to get, kill the Gulf so they can get in there. And I don't want to sound like a big conspiracy theorist, but my God, it reeks of conspiracy. You're connecting the dots, uh, James. And, you know, I hate to even bring this up, but I received a report about three days ago that shows some of the major shareholders of the company that manufactures corrects it, the, this person being used in the Gulf. And that includes... Warren Buffett, Maurice Strong, Mr. Environment himself, Al Gore. So it really makes you wonder. And another thing. This Nalco? Yes. You are kidding me. No, this is the report I got. And also, you know, a lot of people heard about the report from Iron Mountain, where Kennedy was told we needed to have the Cold War, then terrorism, and the next scenario was a natural disaster. Could we be entering into this next phase, because let's say that we they cap it, great. But what happens afterwards? All these chemicals and all this oil—is that what's really burning people, or is the chemicals that have been sprayed on top of it? 
Well, the thing is, is that you, you, you enter the waters there. I mean, I got interviews with people down on the beaches on 4th of July, and these kids said, you know, we went in the water, and you could feel it kind of burning your skin. Some people seem to be more, more uh, sensitive to it than others. Mm-hmm. But the, even the guy, that the BP worker, that gave me the water and oil samples uh, 20 miles offshore, he's like, well, I reached my hand in there because like, it was so thick, I couldn't break it off, and it was a large, like, plume. It's a consistency of peanut butter, and he couldn't break it off with the, the, the tub he was using, the little bucket he was using, so he had to put his hand in there. He put his hand in there, and he squeezed it and broke it off, and he said his hand was burning all afternoon. And that was just the water. And somebody else from, I believe it was Florida, was filming all these bubbles, almost like boiling. I don't know if you saw that. Greg, Greg something? Yes. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. methane. Yeah, yeah. Like methane, exactly. Yeah. I was worried. That we, there was some discussion on 4th of July. It's like, should people really be lighting fireworks off, you know? Seems exactly. Like the lab experiment going on down there right now. I saw somebody, a lab professor, with a bunch of students just... Uh, emulating or, or, or giving an example, they were all holding it. He lit it on fire. Well, you know, they've been burning. They've been doing those controlled burns out on the... On the, on the it seems so amazing to me that they're, 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 they're spraying this dispersant and then they're burning the oil with the dispersant. And think about those particulates that are going up in the air. Where are they mm-hmm. going? You know, the air quality. Are you hearing anybody talk about the air quality? That's why I'm just dying to get back there. I've got to test the air quality. People have to know what they're being exposed to, and what they can do about it. I mean... <sighs> well, it's so, it's, so, it's so good to hear that not only are you reporting the facts there, uh, James, but you're also also contacting people who can help those around the, the affected areas to be able to, to survive, if you will, and, and to find solutions uh, to this problem. Because even if they cap it, this is going to, as you say, it may be 50 years be- before this biodegrade. That's, that's what the lab guy said. He said he'd never seen anything like it. It dissolved his, literally dissolved his equipment. And he said, so when are you heading, when are you heading back? About a week. And um, he said uh, he wants to do a test on, on, you know, the components of our skin. By the way, you know, I saw, I saw dead fish on the beaches. Didn't have any oil on them at all. And there's a BP worker I'm actually going to post. Are you posting, are you going to make links to these videos? Because these other stuff has been very informative. You know, we did... Uh, we did the flight over the ground zero with Dr. Safina. We did the uh, talking to people in the streets and that kind of thing. But now we really want, these are more educational, these are informative for people to really know like what they can do to avoid getting exposed, what to do once they're, if they are exposed or showing symptoms of exposure, nausea, bleeding, that kind of thing, who to contact, who can help, um, what they're being exposed to, like the, in the water, what they're being exposed to in the air. These are the things, the issues that I'm very, very concerned about. And I will be posting these videos on my YouTube site, which is James C. Fox. In other words, you go to YouTube and you just type in the search James C. Fox, and the list of videos will come up. You can scroll down. And there are other people that have been taking my videos and linking them, which is absolutely fine. You please go ahead and do that. But you have to kind of look through and see that it's actually from me. But you'll see. And, and I, I, I would, um, if you can, Mel, if you can link... Especially these with Dr. Uh, Dr. Ray and toxicologist uh, Ricky Ott, I highly recommend that, that, that uh, you know, residents along the Gulf Coast areas look at these videos, uh, BP workers in the cleanup look at these videos. It's going to be very, very helpful them for them to prevent uh, getting ill and what to do if they do get ill and exposed to this stuff and what, and what they're being exposed to. With your permission, I will link all these videos into one section of our website so that please. people can refer to it at any time. Sure. Please, please, please. I mean, everybody knows out there that I'm, I'm shooting this stuff, I'm editing it, compressing it, and posting it, and I'm putting it out there for free. Anybody who wants to link it to anything, please go ahead and do that. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say is if anyone out there, once again, could, could sponsor this last effort of doing air, and we're going to do water and air samples all the way across the Gulf Shores, and we'll make all those data available to the media, we'll make it available to the public immediately as soon as the results come in. Please, folks, tell me one outfit out there, mainstream media, that has been reporting as James Fox has. I really don't know of any one of them, James, and I salute you. Anything else you would like to tell the world who's listening to you right now? Well, you know, we're all in this together. This could affect the lives of all of us on this planet, and... and um, I really appreciate everyone's support out there. I mean, it really, really means a lot to me. And I get emails 
you know, it gets really depressing and I get kind of down and, and I've been getting emails from people and thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Those mean so much to me. They really do. And I, I want you also to know that I'm also reporting what I find, locations, uh, the 12-page the, 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 the report talks of the water analysis. I'm sending those directly to the, to the people at CNN. They're being very res- res- responsive with it. I'm trying to hook them up. And do, I, I'm encouraging them to do their own tests. And, and put this stuff out there, I'm doing everything I can. I really am. I, I really just know that. And James, during the time you're going to be at home, I would strongly suggest you go to your doctor and check yourself and maybe do some blood tests to see, because these chemicals go through your skin, and they may be, for all we know, in your bloodstream right now. Yeah, well, I, you know, like I said, I mean, I looked in the mirror, and I'm like, Jesus, my, my skin looks gray, you know? And I feel like... You know, I'm also really tired. I drove, th- I drove over 7,000 miles in the last two weeks. Oh, I know. Geez. I, you should see the state of the rental car. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rental car? <laughs> it's a rental car. <laughs> I was laughing. I was with my sister. We looked at each other and said, this is every rental car company's worst nightmare. <laughs> I was going to ask you, hey, James, and I hope you're not using your car on this one. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? It's got tar balls inside the car. It's toxic dump site. The outside of the car looks... I've never seen more bug, bug splatters on a car in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and just, oh, my gosh. <laughs> we don't mean to be laughing here, folks, but we have to inject a little bit of humor. James, once again, always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, keep us posted. I hope you have a, a good week of relaxation, and when you come back... Mel, thank, thank you so much, Mel. I really, really appreciate all your support, and I, and I thank all the listeners out there and just know that we, we're all in this together and we'll do the best we can to expose what's going on and what we can do to keep ourselves safe. All right, my brother. You take good care and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And that was James Fox. We are truly fortunate to have a direct link with James. I know many people around the world, but especially around the Gulf of Mexico area, are paying attention to what James has to say. I will start linking more of his findings on our website. And also, we will start reporting on what you can do to make sure you and your family can mitigate these health hazards. Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida. You are in our minds, and we will do everything in our power to keep you informed. And now, get ready to meet the man who brought the secretive and elusive Bilderberg Group to the public limelight. Do its members really rule the world? What are their future plans? Most of what Daniel has gathered after each meeting has become reality. If you want to continue believing that your elected leader is who governs your country, stop this audio now. To enter the world of a few who own most of the wealth and control our lives, don't go anywhere. Daniel Estelin is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. you hear right here on the very test show is supplied by the independent artists from jamendo.com if you hear a song you like go over to our homepage verytestshow.com click on the guest look up the song and download it you can even buy the group's cds in many cases right there at jamendo.com Howdy, this is Jim Mars, and you're listening to Veritas. Pay attention. Daniel Estelin is one of the brightest stars on the world stage of fearless, no-holds-barred, audacious investigative journalism. He is the only man in the world to have infiltrated super-secret Bilderberg annual meeting and accurately predicted future events based on what he heard. On June 1st, 2010, Estelin made history being the first investigative journalist in the world to give an address on the Bilderberg Group in the European Parliament in Brussels on special request from Europe's most voted politician, Mario Borghesio. Daniel is a dangerous man to the status quo, possessed, obsessed, tenacious and courageous, an award-winning international journalist. 
He is a man who thrives on controversy. He is a preeminent historian of the global elite, a scholar of remarkable breadth and erudition, and one of the world's most outspoken public intellectuals. Esalen doesn't mince words. He doesn't hold back when naming names, like David Rockefeller, Bill Clinton, and George H. W. Bush, and when identifying the cauldrons of chaos they have created. He exposes these and other shadow masters, which is the title of his new book, among the secret global power elite, as coolly vicious orchestrators of wars, terrorism, and grand-scale theft. Estelin also researches the mind-boggling sums of money they reap from the proceeds of drug trafficking. Estelin is the world's top authority on the Bilderberg Group because of the worldwide appeal of the author's book, which has sold over 3.5 million copies in nearly 50 languages. This once incredibly powerful and highly secretive organization is now a private form of lesser stature. Who knows what the group will now transmogrify itself into. The Bilderberg Group is an annual invitation-only conference with over 100 of the globe's most influential movers and shakers, including the heads of state, business tycoons, and others. It is closed to the public and the press. This year, the conference was recently held from the 3rd to the 6th of June in Sitges, Spain. And directly from Spain, for the first time on Veritas, I'm proud and honored to have with us researcher and author, Daniel Estelin. And for those listening in Spain and Latin America, that would be Daniel Estelin. Hello, Daniel, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure. And Daniel, not only have I been impressed with your research for years, but I've heard you speak the two other languages you speak, and in addition to your native Russian, you speak English and Spanish, and you speak both exceedingly well. I, well, I, I, I've, I've been living in Spain now for, 17, for 17 years, so uh, <laughs> by, by, by design you have to learn the language. Absolutely. At any rate, time is of the essence tonight, and I will try to squeeze every minute as much as I can. So let's get right to the subject matter. We have people listening around the world. You have sold millions of books in over 50 languages. But for those listeners who are unaware, please explain to us what the Bilderberg Group is and why you are considered a danger to the status quo. Well, I don't know if you should be asking that to the Bilderbergers. But, you know, in a world of international finance, the, those who steer the events and also those who react to events, while the latter group, they're often better known, they're greater in numbers, and seemingly more powerful, true power rests with the former. And at the center of this uh, global financial system, or the financial oligarchy represented today by the Bilderberg Group. Now, the idea behind each and every Bilderberg meeting is to create what they themselves call the aristocracy of purpose, between European and North American elites are the best ways to manage the planet. Now, there are a lot of uh, uh, conspiracy versions out there of what Bilderberg is, and I'd like to uh, very clearly explain that the idea of, of a bad guy uh, from somewhere behind the scenes uh, pulling the strings and controlling the world. You know, this is an example of the Cartesian fantasy world in which the, <coughs> the, the isolated intentions of some individuals Rather than the dynamics of social processes, which is what is very, very important to understand about Bilderberg, it's the dynamics of social processes that shape the course of, of, uh, of what Feiner fellows know as the actually intrinsically dynamic quality of the intellectual impetus operating within the social processes, which are shaping real historical developments, shaping history as the movement of evolving ideas and themes over successive generations. In other words, uh, Bilderberg is not your, uh, you know, evil seeing eye. It's not a group of uh, people sitting around a table in a dark room holding hands, uh, staring at a crystal ball, you know, seemingly planning the world's domination. It is literally a group of people. Uh, it's a medium, more than a group of people, of bringing together financial institutions, which are the world's today's most powerful, most predatory financial interests. And at this time, it is that combination which is the core enemy of humanity, which is, I guess, is the... Uh, is uh, a pretty standard definition of what Bilderberg is and is not. Now, recently, you usually make it to the headlines almost every year when there's a, a Bilderberg uh, meeting taking place, but you usually made it to the headlines big. You gave a talk before the European Parliament a few weeks ago. You were invited by Mario Borghesio, the most senior member of the European Parliament from Italy. And folks, the European Parliament is one of the most powerful legislatures in the world. It's the equivalent to the to addressing a joint session of the U.S. Congress. 
tell us how that went and the question in my mind, and, and I know in most of our listeners' minds, why would they allow an author like you to speak there? Well, it's not they didn't allow. It's Mario Borghesio as a, as a, as a Euro parliamentarian has the right you know, to invite anyone he wants. Uh, to give a presentation on any subject he, he, you know, he deems important. Mm-hmm. And uh, what had happened was that Borghesio came across uh, my, uh, the Italian version of my Bilderberg book about eight months ago, and I just happened to have been in Italy at the time, you know, speaking of serendipity, and uh, he came to my talk in Milan, and, uh, you know, he was appalled that, you know, Bilderberg has actually existed, and this is one of the most important uh, politicians in Europe. Just think of him as America's version of Jesse Helms. Right. Not knowing anything about the Bilderberg or the Council of Foreign Relations or the Trilateral Commission. And when he found out, he was absolutely outraged. Now, this is a senior politician and a junior uh, uh, partner in the, uh, uh, in the Italian uh, government uh, with Lega Norte. Lega Norte. And uh, uh, so uh, at the talk in Milan, he, uh, he, he said that he would invite me back to speak in Brussels at the uh, European Parliament. And, uh, you know, he did. I uh, received uh, a formal invitation several months later. And on the 1st of June, I gave this unprecedented talk in front of 200 members of the European Parliament, 50 media representatives from 37 countries. Needless to say, Bilderbergers were not very impressed. And as, you know, speaking of, of, of luck, and I think luck does play a significant part in some things in life. And, uh, you know, we just don't know if there's right or reason for certain things. But, you know, there's absolutely not denying that on the 1st of June and on the 2nd of June, I was in Brussels giving interviews and giving my historical speech, which people can download uh, and see on my website, danielestruin.com. And uh, on the 3rd of June, Bilderbergers came to town to, uh, to Sigis. It's a resort town in, in, in Catalonia on the outskirts of Barcelona. And then needless to say, you know, between my my uh, Brussels speech and the Bilderberger meeting in, uh, in Sigis, uh, I was the center of the world's attention. And uh, if you Google my name, uh, you'll get over 500 interviews from some of the world's leading international and national press. So we're not talking about uh, conspiracy theories. We're not talking about, you know, uh, a kooky uh, ideas about, uh, you know, boogeyman uh, uh, controlling the world. Because, again, no one who is a freak gets to speak at the European Parliament. What was the reaction of the parliament after your speech? And I know the world's uh, media was all over you at that time because I tried to get all of you back then and I couldn't, uh, understandably. But what was the reaction? And also, what was the reaction of the Bilderberg Group, if you know? Well, I don't really know, except that, you know, I, I, you know it's, it's, a, it's a love-hate relationship. They, they love to hate me. They'd love to see me disappear. Unfortunately, I'm one of these pets like a cockroach. I don't seem to go away anywhere. I mean, I, I multiply my presence multiplies. I'm all over the internet, and this is exactly the kind of awareness that people need to understand. And I think what also has drawn people's attention is, is you know, there's logic and, and, and reason to what I'm saying. You know, again, it's, for people, it's very difficult to understand uh, how, you know, two people or three or five or ten or a hundred can actually manage the world's affairs from behind the scenes until you explain to them based on historical events. And again, for example, what's today called the Bilderberg Group, 800 years ago, already existed. Back then, they were called the Venetian Black Nobility. Mm-hmm. You know, I spent three and a half years in the National Library in Florence investigating Bilderberg Roots because, again, it's simply not logical in human history terms. When you take a group that's only 55 years young, you know, history is, is a little bit longer and older than that. And suddenly, you have this powerful organization, the most powerful, some say, who seem to have all the money and power in the world. It just doesn't work like that. You need to understand where they come from. And that's what I did. I spent three and a half years uh, in, uh, in Florence. And uh, uh, did I say three and a half? I meant two and a half. I'm sorry. And uh, um, I found uh, amazing information basically tying Bilderbergers. And, you know, again, what's, what's today called Bilderberg, you know, they're founded by the French synarchist movements, uh, uh, synarchy movement of empires who were behind the Hitler's financials uh, between uh, 1920 uh, and 1942. And Finnerkis, in turn, they were founded by the Martinist esoteric uh, Masonic secret society, uh, uh, as kind of, and, and, and in turn, the Martinists were founded as a kind of a counterattack against the uh, the advancements of the American Revolution. And the Martinists, they in turn were founded by the Venetian Black Nobility. So again, you know, I can explain all this historically. There's no boogeyman. There's no evil eye. There's no, you know, these, these conspiracy freaks and mavens who pull out a dollar bill and show you a pyramid and you know start telling all these kooky, crazy stories 
and you can never tie anything together. Well, I don't do that. You know, I base all my research on history, and that's one of the reasons Borghese invited me, because we had a couple of very long conversations. And again, if you're a senior most European politician, you don't invite anyone, just anyone, to, you know, to speak in front of the European Parliament to make you look bad. And so this man wanted to make sure, triple, quadruple sure, that I really knew my stuff. And we had a couple of very, very long, three, four-hour long conversations where uh, I explained to him the history of Bilderberg, and I took him through the past 800 years. I explained to him the, the development, the rise and fall of nation-state republics. And, you know, lo and behold, the man is absolutely convinced. And, uh, you know, to come back to your, uh, to your question, I'm sorry, I got a little bit out of the way. Uh, the, uh, the reaction was great. Most people, especially most European parliamentarians from the independent parties, because you have uh, 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 Liga Norte, that's Berlusconi's outfit, and you keep that British independent party. You know, they're kind of most of these politicians from some of the smaller independent parties who are sitting on the fence. Again, they didn't want to commit. You know, Bilderberg sounded some, you know, some, again, some kind of a cookie conspiracy stuff, and they just didn't want to be drawn into that because, again, as you said before, it's one of the two most important legislative bodies in the world, along with Congress of the United States. You can't be made look bad by some fool from Russia or from whoever, you know, talking about, you know, lizard people being Bilderbergers. And once after my presentation was over, all of the independent party members, and we're talking over 30 uh, seats in European Parliament, they all came to us and said, yep, we're in, we're on board, what can we do? So again, it was a stunning success. And uh, it's been a long time coming. It's not just my success. It's everyone's success, because had it not been for all these millions of people buying my books, for all people such as yourself who actually are willing you know, to interview me on the radio so you know, millions more can actually hear me across the world, I don't think we'll be getting very, very far. Well, you're carrying the torch, and for that we're very thankful. But the name Bilderberg, it's just a label that was given because of the, the, that meeting that took place in the Bilderberg Hotel. But these people were meeting before. It's just a label that we gave them. Is that correct? Thank you very much for listening. We're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section. Head on over to our website, veritasshow.com. Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
is Richard C. Hoagland, and you are listening to Veritas.